1: Hello, this is Pastor Jacob Diaz of Healing Place Church, San Antonio, and you are now listening to HPCSA Radio Show.
0: Without further ado, we're going to bring up Pastor Jake.
1: Praise God, man. You know, the the Lord spoke so sweetly to me last Sunday morning while we were worshiping um, what, what he would have me close the year out with and as, as clear as day, it was funny, you know right, right back here as we were praying and people were still in the altars and service was just about to close out I heard the Lord say to me, I want you to talk about when I flatline their enemy. It stops. It's done. And I had a mental picture of what a flat line looks like when you see that heart monitor hooked up to an individual's life. And depending on what's happening on the inside of that person depends on what that monitor reads. So externally, you can see a lot of activity taking place. That's an indication of what's really happening on the inside. And the interesting part of that for me is that as Christians, we don't come to church with a spiritual heart monitor over our head letting people know where we're at. So it's kind of hard to determine who has high blood pressure, so to speak, who's had a heart attack, who has heart problems. Do you understand what I'm saying? We come into the presence of God though and he knows every single one of those things. He knows right where we're at. We do our best to put ourselves together in the presence of God in the presence of of friends and family. But when I come into the house of the Lord for the purpose of gathering with my family, with my friends, to worship God, to grow in the Lord, to hear a word from God, to have my faith built up, to to be encouraged to be equipped to be corrected to be rebuked whatever those things might be I don't don't think we should ever step foot into the house of God with inhibitions with there are places in my life that I will not allow God to go I, I would I would say to you if that's you chances are God going that place is the very thing that's going to provide the answer that you're praying for, that you're believing God for, the breakthrough that you might need in whatever the situation, your inability to humble yourself and to just be vulnerable enough in God. Look, I don't care. At, at this point in, in, in my life as a pastor, you know, as a husband, as a father, as a friend, as, as long as I've been in ministry, I mean, not, not too long going, almost 20 years, I, I don't care what people think about me. I, I really don't. Not, not in an arrogant, I'm going to walk in error, I don't care what you think, as much as it is a, I'm not ashamed of who I am in Christ. I don't care what you think. Do you understand what I'm saying? When I'm in God's presence, when I'm here, I don't care what my family or friends think, if I know God's ministering something to me, I'm going to respond. You see, we, we in an unhealthy way, we grow an esteem at church with our peers. We grow a reputation in Christ. Maybe, maybe we've been used by God. Maybe, maybe we're known because of the heart of a servant that we might have. Maybe we have, maybe we have this gift or, or that calling on our life. Or, or we have a reputation of walking in holiness or whatever it might be. Maybe you're just an amazing giver. But you allow yourself to try to live up to that image. That even when you 're struggling you 're trying to portray something that 's just not there at the moment. I break that off of you right now in Jesus' name. whoever you are, wherever you 're at, in Christ you 're who He has called you to be, and nothing else, and nothing less in spite of whatever you 're walking through. Too often, we identify who we are. Not with Christ and who he's called us to be, but we identify with what our circumstances says that we are. I've failed in this situation, in this relationship. I'm a failure. No, you're not. No, that's, that's what you went through. That's not what you are. There might be things in you that God wants to heal or God wants to fix or straighten out. But he straightens... I need you to hear something. He straightens those things out from who you are in Christ, not from the struggle and the heartache of what you went through. From there, you'll never get up. You'll always stay down. You'll always feel like you're out of the fight, like you you can never be back in it. So when I say to you this morning that God's given me a word to close this year out it's because I really believe that whatever has been active in your life in the same way that that heart monitor would read the life of whatever's happening in somebody. As as much as we have interpreted when that thing flatlines and you just hear that boop, as scary as that might seem, and to the believer that's not the worst sound in the world when you can say like Paul I have fought the good fight I have finished my race that sound means I'm taking my last breath here and my first breath there will be with him which is why Paul could say with confidence man to be absent from this body means to be present with the Lord so so for me to live, it means Christ is going to be seen through me. But for me to die, it means my gain. So I don't look at that all over the place thing that we always go through in life. Because life is like that. It's up and it's down. It's up and it's down. I believe God wants to get us to a place where we're like that, just because of who we are in Him. I want us to read real quickly as as we open up this morning's word using the subject when God flatlines your enemies. I want us to read real quickly Isaiah chapter 43 and then we're gonna pray together. And the prophet Isaiah says in the 43rd chapter, in the second verse, when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. You can leave that up for a second. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your kindness this morning, God. Father, we thank you for everything that has been and I mean everything, Lord. Everything that has been in 2015. The good, the bad, the ugly, everything in between, God. Every, every lesson learned, every blessing received. Every failure, every victory, God. People that were added to us, people that might have been taken away, God. Who you've been to us consistently. Consistently. Throughout 2015, God, we just give you thanks, we give you praise, God, even for the things we don't we don't yet understand. We bless you for. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray, and everybody said, praise the Lord, hallelujah. Again, I want to use for a subject this morning, and I'm going to turn your attention to the, the foundational text that we'll be speaking from this morning, which is going to be found in Daniel chapter 3 starting in the 15th verse. If you don't have your Bible, you can follow along on the, on the screen behind me. But I, I want to emphasize as we get into this word this morning that Isaiah's quoting a powerful promise, a statement of fact to us in that text. When he says, could you put that back up r- real quickly, that Isaiah chapter 43 verse 2? It, it, it's not a matter of Will I go through whatever it is life might try to hand me? It's a matter of when. I need you to understand that because because as Christians, it's easy for us to believe when we're coming from a place of, I don't know who Christ is to wanting to know who He is, to believing in Him, to having a relationship with Him, to asking Him into our lives. It's easy if, if we pick up the wrong thing coming to Christ that we start to believe from the very beginning that believing in Jesus means not when, but never. Because that's who He is. He's my Savior, and I'm never going to go through anything. I, I hope that you understand the heart of what I'm saying to you. The reality is none of us are going to be able to avoid those moments in life that that heart monitor would relate to you are, are good or are bad or all over the place or just flat out interpret an attack. You're under attack, whatever the situation might be. None of us can avoid those things. We are guaranteed something, though, in the Word of God. We're promised that when we pass through it, He's going to be with us. He's going to be with us. If it's a flood, we're not going to be drowned by it. If it's a fire, we're not going to be consumed by it. I'm going to be with you, but you are going through it. That, to me, is not a scary message. That's, I wish the gospel was, accept Jesus and all of your dreams will come true and there will never be any trials for you to go through. Victory is yours starting the moment you accept Christ. Dude, that would be awesome. That is not reality. If that were the case, then why did Jesus have to pass through the cross himself? And if this is what happened to Jesus, if this is what was done unto Him, if this is how people were unto Him, if this is what life had to throw at Him in order for us to know who He is, what makes it any different for who we are? In Christ, following the one that was willing to walk to the cross for us. I want to use Daniel chapter 3 as I... I, Teach this message this morning, and I want you to stay with me. I don't have a lot to teach, but I am going to teach some. The theme of everything I'm talking about, though, is is the simple fact that when it happens, if it has already, if you're in the middle of it, if it's going to happen, not only is he going to be with you, but at some point he flatlines the enemy's attack. He flat. Look, I love, one of my favorite words in Scripture, one of my favorite texts is when it says in the New Testament in the book of Acts, and it came to pass. It did not come to stay. But how many of you, when it comes to pass, you feel like it's going to be there forever? And sometimes you react like this is the rest of your life, and it's not just something that's passing. How many, when it's passing, have ever panicked? Have ever felt like God's not there? God, if you were faithful. All these questions start to come out of you. Do you realize that that is one of the sovereign ways of God being able to refine real faith on the inside of you? I've said this a a ton of times from this pulpit and I'll say it to you again this morning as we start in Daniel chapter 3 verse 15. Faith is not faith unless doubt is present. What are you believing for if there's no resistance? There's no necessity for faith if there's nothing pushing up against you. We have faith for a reason. We have faith for a reason. Do you understand do you understand what we 're talking about this morning but what i 'm saying to you right now is that that we are here this morning with God, because God is about to flatline something in your life before you even step into next year let 's read and let 's do a little line upon line. It says now in the fifteenth verse in Daniel chapter three. now, if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, let me pause right there real quick. This is King Nebuchadnezzar addressing the three Hebrew children who are the three being accused of refusing to bow to the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king, who thought highly of himself enough to erect a golden image that everybody would fall to their knees in worship the moment the music started to play. And it's been brought to his attention by some of his servants, who have called these three men out, that these are the three that are refusing to bow to your image. And so he starts to address this by saying, if you're ready, at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the psaltery, in symphony, with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made good, but if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into a burning fiery furnace and who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Isn't it funny how all of these instruments are being recruited for the purpose of encouraging worship? When you think about traditional worship as a Christian, as a saint, because that's what the Word of God calls you, a saint, you may not act like a saint always, but you're a saint. It's easy to have the right music play that, encourage, that encourages a worshiping heart in someone. But that doesn't mean you're worshiping God just because you're worshiping. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying to you? I don't want to lose you this morning just because you're here. And you hear the right music that's encouraging a worshipful heart. Doesn't mean out of your heart is what Jesus calls real worship. When he addresses the Jewish lady and says, look, you worship with your lips, but your heart is far from me. You worship what you know not, is, is what he tells her in fact. You don't even know who it is you're worshiping. And we're about to find that truth out as we read this text because Nebuchadnezzar doesn't know who God is but in a moment he's about to give God all the glory still not knowing who God is. Have you, have you, if you've not studied this chapter it will blow your mind the amount of revelation, understanding God will give you in that text of how it relates. In, in fact, if you're not reading your Bible for how it relates to your life then you're reading it wrong. Otherwise, you're just reading an ancient book that seems so detached and disconnected from your life, you don't see the relevance to it, but it's relevant. You have to ask the Spirit of God to give you understanding. How many of you agree with what I'm saying this morning? Are you with me? So here, here they are putting all these musical instruments together. If you worship this thing, then good. But if not it's bad. It's going to be bad for you. So so you need to get a picture of what, what's happening in this text. These are not men who are about to suffer for their own wrongdoing. They're about to suffer for doing right, for walking the line that, that God has told them to walk, so to speak. And, and, and at times, when, when you're being a Christian or you give your life to Christ or you're praying and believing God for something, now I'll, 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 I'll say it like that. Typically, when you're believing God for something it, it is, when, is when we try to do this the most. Okay, I'm believing for something. Now I really got to behave. Okay, here's, here's Jesus has called me. I love you, Lord. I worship you. I'm going to behave. Once we get it, I can be a little loose in my faith, who I am, where I'm at. But when we're believing or we're broken, God, I love you. See, look how, look how well behaved I am. I really love you. I really worship you. And this is what we do as Christians because we're convinced that because of the nature of who we are and how we're made, that when we need something or we want something, we have to convince. We have to negotiate. We have to manipulate. We think that that's the nature of God and how He responds to what nature is in us. But He is not made up of the nature of what our flesh has been born in. He doesn't give you good gifts because you've behaved yourself enough and you've walked the line or you stopped looking at porn long enough. He looks at you and He he, he accepts your worship because of who He is, not because of who you are. That's what makes Him good. Otherwise, none of us could have an audience with God the Father because we all have dirt, every single one of us. But I worship God in the dirt. Do you hear what I just said? I don't wait to get cleaned up, take a shower, spiritually go to church, let the pastor pray over me. Now I can worship God. That's nonsense. I worship God in my dirt. I worship him when I'm clean. I worship him in my dirt. I love him. He's my father. He walks with me when I'm, when I'm walking right. He loves me when I'm not being the best son. That's who he is. Do you understand who your father is? Do you understand who God wants to be to you? He doesn't want to be what you understand theologically. I need you to hear something right now, church. You can read the Bible a hundred times from Genesis to Revelation and have a theological understanding of who God is, but not know who God is. It's what Paul called ever learning, ever learning but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are the three men in question. They answered and said to the king, I'm going to try my best to get through this whole message. We'll get far enough to to do what God came here for, but we're going to do our best. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to even answer you in this matter. Let me tell you why. These are not even the names they were born with. I don't look you can call me whatever you want to call me and how it benefit look and how my gift benefits the purpose you want me to serve but I don't have to answer to what you call me cuz that's not who I am anyway You can call me Shadrach Meshach and Abednego But but if you read the word of God it says their names were Mishael, Meshach and Azariah Those three names mean The one that God favors, the one that's going to show who God is, and the one that God will help. I'm that person, so you can say whatever you want about me. I'm favored. You think I'm I'm this, or you think I'm that. I don't even have to answer this circumstance. You know why? Because I'm the one God's going to help in just a moment. And at the end of all of this, when you've tried to bring every accusation you want against me, I'm about to show you who God is. The problem, though, is we respond to the other name more often than what we should. Instead of responding to who God says we are, we respond according to the circumstance. And it's easy for us to get into this, I can fix it, I can make it work. And, and we do what Abraham did and what he passed down to his sons Look, this is what they think about my wife, and they're going to do this, so we need to hide. You need to lie. We need to do this. And we try to logically, we're going to fix it. We're going to make this thing work. And we end up making a bigger mess trying to respond to what the circumstance tells me I should respond with rather than simply just being still and knowing who he's called me to be and trusting that he has me. He has me. What do you do is a question I often ask myself. What do you do? This is something me and my wife have discussed a thousand times in everything that we've been through with with our oldest son. What do do you do when your circumstances are louder than your faith? What do you do? Because that happens. That's the only way your faith is going to get louder than your circumstances. If something bigger than you Steps in front of you. Look at David and Goliath. That's the only way it's going to happen. We hear that, that beeping sound. We hear that, that thing happening and the thing, the, the, the thing that registers uh, whatever the circumstance is. And we start to be overcome with fear or, or with doubt or with hopelessness. And we start to see how massive this thing is. And instead of accepting who God is to who we are, we put more of our attention on what's in front of us and not what's inside of us. I love it. If that is the case, can I have, if I haven't already, I have a, a couple of people come up here. Help me, Isaac, if you would, please. Uh, Aaron, I want y'all to pass out the index cards and the little pencils. I'm gonna keep... I'm going to keep talking, but I I, I want you to hold on to those. Everybody gets a pencil and an index card. These three young men respond to Nebuchadnezzar according to who they are in God. And they make this statement. Listen to this, because this is why I'm handing you out these cards. If that is the case... If you're saying to us right now that if we don't bow when the music starts to play and worship what you've set up, if that's the case that you're putting against us, then let let us tell you what we believe and how we'll respond and who our God is. Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and He will deliver us from your hand, O King. But... is usually, look, look, this is how far we tend to get as Christians. This is what we tend, I need you to stay with me. Hold on one second. I'm about to really start preaching. That's what that means. This is what happens. We state our case to our circumstance according to the measure of our faith. And we say, fine, if that's what's going to happen, if I don't do this, If this is the sickness I have to walk with at the moment, if if this is the hurt I have to carry because of what's happening in the relationship that I'm in, if this is the disappointment or the rejection, if this is what's happening right now in my family's life, in my job, in my future, whatever it might be, if this is what's happening, you need to know, and I want you to write down in just a moment, I want you to write down whatever the case is that life or the enemy would try to bring against you. I want you to write down what it is. And I want you to fold it up. And I don't want you to write your name on it. Please. Especially if it's personal. But there's a reason, there's a reason the Spirit of God prompted me to ask you to do this. So I, I want you to write down whatever the case is. This is as far as we get at times. If this is my circumstance... I'm going to tell you right now, my God can heal me. My God can mend the hurt. My God can deliver me. This is what I believe about my God. He can take me out of your hand. He can turn around whatever the verdict is that you've set against me, and he can. And we stop right there. Pay attention to what I'm saying. We stop right there. And we never have the kind of faithfulness. I didn't say faith because there's a difference between faith and faithfulness. I have faith in what my marriage can be with my wife. But that doesn't mean I'm faithful. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's a big difference. However, my faithfulness to her will make her faith go up. It will make my faith go up. Oh, sweetheart, I'm going to love you in good times and bad, in sickness, in health, for richer, for poor. the whole thing. Those are the vows. But at times, just like in a marriage, in Christianity, I'm just going to love you for richer. I'm going to love you in health, and I'm going to love you for better. My faith is so strong, I don't have to consider for poor. I don't have to consider for worse. I don't have to consider sickness, because that's where my faith is at. That's a foolish faith. That's not a realistic faith. That's a foolish faith. Because a faithful faith says, but even if not... I want this circumstance to know that I'm not going to serve something else. I'm not going to worship anything else that this thing would try to set up for me. Even if he doesn't, that's the kind of faith we're to have in God. In whatever the circumstance is. If we're talking about when God flatlines your enemies... That is a a key ingredient. I believe God for this, but even if He doesn't, that doesn't change what I believe about my God. Have you ever ever believed something about God and then a circumstance made you believe something different about God? (laughs) See, if I was in a a church on the east side, y'all be shouting at me right now. Come on, Pat, you better talk about it. I mean, that, that right there is just, but in here, it's just like, I can hear the, <clears throat> amen, amen. But let's be honest. If, if I'm too honest for you as a preacher, you don't want to have a conversation with me at Starbucks. <laughs> People sometimes get offended because of the th- things that I say. And, and I, saw, I saw this little picture the other day. I was like, man, this is so perfect. You get offended by what I say. Can you imagine what I don't say? That little, that little conscience that Jesus gave me, he, man, he's working. He's like on the little, the little uh, hamster on the, the little spinning wheel. He's just like, he's like, man, he's making me work today. Yeah, 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 don't leave. That's what I tell the, the hamster, don't leave because I'm about to put my foot in my mouth. <laughs> That's the kind of faith that we're called to have. Put whatever the case is on that card if you haven't done it already. Whatever the case is, whatever life, if it's, if it's something in your marriage, if it's something in your health, if it's something in your finances, if it's something regarding your future, something you're going through right now, something from your past, there is a case that the enemy's trying to accuse and make against you. I want you to write it down. Let's read 19 through 22 real quick, and I'm going to teach a little bit on that. The Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury because this is what their response was. And the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that they, that they heat the furnace seven times hotter than what it would usually be heated to. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their their turbans and their other garments, and and they were cast into the midst of this burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent, and the furnace was exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and and they're in the fire. And and usually, when that happens, the moment you enter, whatever the circumstances, throw up that first. That first one in the background, Jonathan, if you would. This is kind of what I interpret starts to happen in my own life, in my own circumstance. And and we start to to track when whatever that situation was started. And, And here you have these three young men... Who it's all look, you have a choice. You're always going to come to the place of decision before you just jump right into whatever the trial is. You've got a choice. You can walk around it. All you got to do is bend your knee. All you've got to do is give in. All you've got to do is compromise. You've got that choice. But the moment you make a choice to stand for who He's called you to be and not what the world would beckon you, that's the moment that for me personally, I would start to hear that sound. I'm, I'm recording the detail of the circumstance of where we're at. And, and for me, the most freshest thing I can think of, and it's funny, you know, I, I told my wife as I was preparing this message, I said, you know, sweetheart, it's been a heck of a year for us. And I sat there and she just kind of looked at me and, and, you know, we were both just kind of reflecting on everything that we've been through. You can leave that playing. And I said, you know what? I was like, no, it hasn't. It's been a heck of a decade. And, and she's, she's like to me and she's like, yeah, you, you know you're right. Um, my, my oldest son, Jeshua, is nine years old. He's going to be 10. And that's, that sound rang in my ears when he was born and they hooked him up to everything and the doctors told us that he was born with down syndrome And they were checking his heart and they and they were checking his brain and and and, and his blood cells and everything was there And and me and my wife for several years heard that sound Truly, It was A reminder of you're in it You're walking through this you can try and make believe it away if you want but it's not going anywhere. You can try and say in Jesus' name, go away, but you're still in it. That ever happened to anybody? It just didn't go away. What happened to your faith immediately when it didn't go away? It, it, it seemed to... But it's, it's what I believed. And and God had more in mind through what He allowed with my son than what I could understand when he was being born. Because God knows the end from the beginning. The beginning might freak us out, but God sees the end, not just the beginning. Where your faith tries to fail on you, when you notice the beginning, God catches it where it starts to fall and says, let me put it on the end, son. Because it's not just about what's happening right at the moment. I remember burying my head in my wife's chest and crying as she laid there in the hospital bed. And at this point, we've learned that he's got a, a hole in his heart. He had, had abnormal blood cells, traces of leukemia. I've, I've, told, this, I've told this story to many of you in this context before, but I really felt like God wanted to say something to somebody in here this morning before you go into 2016. I said out loud, I don't know if I have the faith that it's going to take to walk through this. And, and what was doubt doing on the inside of me? Doubt was thinking about my son who had just been born, was only a day old. I was thinking of him at 40. And I was fast-forwarding every possible wrong, helpless, hopeless, downtrodden thing that could possibly happen. What does this mean for him? Will he make it that far? I had no idea. And in that moment, my wife reminded me that I was scheduled to preach at a conference in California. She wasn't reminding me because she was asking me if I was going to go. She was reminding me. Because I needed to prep myself to go. Because God called me before I had my son. And now I'm being faced with an opportunity to make a decision. Because of my circumstance. People will understand. They'll, if, I mean, even though... Now you need to see how God works three months before my son was born, God gave me all eight messages that I was scheduled for that camp to preach in a 10-minute drive home. All eight messages. And it was pretty obvious that God had set it up for me to be there. And she knew it and I knew it because we knew that I was scheduled to be in California the week of our son being born. And we both prayed, had peace, and agreed, you're going. And this happens and everybody with good intentions is encouraging me to do what? To stay with my wife. I mean it wasn't it wasn't a Nebuchadnezzar you have to do this or you're going to be in a fiery trial. Man that's that's more justifiable I would think. That's your wife. Everyone's going to understand. Yeah, yeah, everyone understand. That's big. That's huge. Cancel it. Don't go. That's huge. But nobody else could answer that circumstance except for me and my wife. Just like as much as I can pray for some of you, there's certain times in your walk with God, there's not a darn thing I can do for you. You have to answer what decision you'll make in that moment. But you know what? Here's the thing. Everyone gets to see the harvest of your decision or the lack thereof. Do you hear what I'm saying? And it speaks... For you. The harvest, not the decision. People thought I was crazy when I made the decision that I made. Why? Because I went. I went a broken mess. Cried the majority of the time I was there thinking about everything I was going through. And some of the things that I've learned over the years, and my wife too, is his name is not Down Syndrome. Just like Shadrach, wasn't Shadrach's name. His name wasn't Lennox Gaston, which is the rare form of epilepsy he was diagnosed with when he was six months old. Pull pull up up the the first picture. I want to show you something my wife found the other day. For those of you that have known this, me and my wife in just this last year, I know I said it's been a crazy decade, but man, this year really has been nuts. Um... We just moved. I've asked many of you to pray for me and my wife as we've been believing God for a a transition from where we were. We just ran into so many problems and issues where we were. We were there for about five years, but we really needed God to answer. He answered that. So I want to say thank you for those of you that have been praying for us. God's been just proving himself to be faithful time and again, even though we were in that circumstance for quite a while. There, there was a time where things got so bad in the last house that we were in for the last five months We were there my whole family was sleeping on the floor of the living room I won't go into the details of why but that was where where our situation was Our kids thought we were camping me and my wife didn't think it was that much fun because we knew what was going on But they had a blast my, my as we were moving my wife found an old box and it had this picture in it and She said, she showed it to me and she said, you know know what that is? And I said, no, what is that? And she said, all of those markings indicate or represent the amount of seizures Jeshua would have every day when he first was diagnosed with Lennox-Gastaut. Those those lines with different markings all the way through, all of them. I mean, that you're looking at 40, 50, 20. But it started with five. It's, I mean, it started with five. And that's six months after accepting this is where we're walking. This is what we have to believe God for. And, 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 and amazingly enough, look at what the scripture says. The eternal God is your refuge. And underneath are the everlasting arms. He had us when we couldn't see it. He had us when we couldn't see it. And, and that happened six months in, and we didn't have a break. For those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, we didn't have a break. I'm talking years. Every single day, he was having 40 to 60 seizures. Every single day. We got so used to it, we would be out eating. And he'd just start having a seizure. And people in the restaurant would look and start to panic. And, they, and we would look at them like, what? And they would point at our son. And we'd like, be like, oh, we just, come here, Bobby. I bless you in Jesus' name. I just declare healing and health and all this. Come here. He's okay. He's okay. He's okay. And everyone else sees us calm and they're like, The word of God says the fire got so hot it burned everything that Nebuchadnezzar had put on them but it didn't burn them you might walk through something and a few things might be added to you along the way hurts and disappointments wounds but those things burn up in the presence of God And I remember being in that situation where it was a struggle to worship God. We found a place in the middle of that circumstance where every day there was no break. The heat was turned up hotter than what we'd ever known at that point. We had been pastors for seven years when he was born. And we had this anticipation of what it would be like raising a family in ministry and, and the desires and aspirations we had. And none of them lined up with what we were walking through. And we had to struggle to find a way to praise God in the fire. We had to, we had to find a way to worship God in the face of whatever that circumstance was. It was a different kind of worship. It was, it was a broken praise. But it was there and it was mine and nothing in the world could ever take it away from me or my wife. And, and it was something like what I read in this story. God, I believe you can heal my son because you are the Lord, my healer. We are healed by the stripes you received on your back. It is the desire of your heart for me to prosper and be in good health even as my soul prospers. I believe that so I declare healing because these signs and wonder will follow them that believe. I lay hands on Him and I call Him recovered in Jesus' name. I prayed that for years believing it. And in the fourth year that next, that next video, it, it, was, it was as hot as it could get in that circumstance, in that situation. And, and we had gotten so used to living our life, doing what we were called to do. We, we, we were in a tough spot because he couldn't walk until the age of what, sweetheart? He, almost five. And me and my wife, I mean, if, if, you, if you knew us back then, he, he, we called him RoboCop because he had this little brace wheelchair thing that he could walk in. It had wheels that lit up, and it had the little the little support wheels in the back in case he tipped it. He would start running. This little booger would start running, and he'd pick his feet up, and that thing went. Shh. So if you ever went to my old house, and you just thought from a foot all the way around the house, all the way around the edges of the house was trashed because we just went around kicking it. That was Jeshua. He destroyed the place. He would, he would, we would have Bible study. Uh, some of you, he, he, he would start on one end of the room and he'd, he'd go real fast, pick his feet up, and there go your ankles, and I'd have to say sorry, and, and I'd, have to, I'd have to tell you, but it gets to a point where when you're in the middle of it, out of nowhere, when you least expect it, the attack just stops. We're, we're laying in bed and, and we look at each other after four years. And she says to me, you know what, sweetheart? He didn't have a seizure today. And this is something that our doctors, we, we've been all over. San Antonio, Houston. We've been, we've been to doctors that were considered number one in their field in the United States. Okay, so it wasn't like we weren't doing our best as parents in the natural to do what we could for our kid. My wife went to, I think it was Walgreens at one point, to go pick up a prescription. And because his Medicaid failed to go through at the moment, they looked at her and said, that's a two-week prescription. She said, yes, sir. He said, that's going to be $75,000. And they gave us three months' worth. And it was a little bitty vial like that big. And and when I pulled it, and a drop fell to the ground, like ten thousand dollars fell to the ground. <laughs> and then when the medication didn't work, Abraham, it's, it's Abraham's fault. What kicked in next? It was, man, this is three hundred thousand dollars. We can go on the black market. I could sell this. We can make some money. We can, we're gonna, God's going to use this for His glory, girl. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you see how quick your faith can go the wrong about God's going to turn our, our curse into a blessing, girl. I'll start preaching real fast right there. <laughs> but it, it, it stopped. This is, this is something that point, Anthony, could you come up to the keys? This is something that 0.08% of the world's population is affected by. Mr. Diaz, Mrs. Diaz, it's like you've won the lottery. I don't even play the lottery <laughs> But I won. And there's no cure for it. P- pull up that, that last picture real quick, Jonathan. lennox gasto. that's the fourth line down. It says lennox gasto. That's what he was diagnosed with. When you see simple partial seizure, absent seizure, tonic seizures, uh, clonic, myoclonic seizures. I mean, those are all, everything from head drops to like the grand mal convulsive seizure. Those are five different types of seizures. Most of the time when someone has a seizure, it's a seizure. My son had all five. And the doctor said, Mr. Deez, there's no cure for this. The best thing you can do is try to medicate the one that's doing the most damage to your son's brain. So that's what we did, and that's what we prayed, and that's what we believed God for. And I looked at her and said, "You know what? He didn't have a seizure today. Did he?" He's got Down syndrome, but his name's Joshua, not Down syndrome. I need you to hear something. Why did God tell him? Why did God put that weird, unique name on our heart? Why? Joshua means Jehovah will save. Not daddy, not mommy. Jehovah will save. God will save why Israel because I'm Jacob and I don't want him to ever have to be the Jacob I was growing up I want him to know what it means to be able to go from Jacob to Israel a prince that has peace with God because Jehovah will save him so every time I saw a seizure every time I saw down syndrome every time I see something to this day you're Jeshua. And, and I'm teaching him, even if he doesn't know it completely yet, this might be the case that's against my life. But I'm Jeshua, and I don't have to answer to that. He's going to know that someday. And ironically, look at what it says. Because you see you see the different parts of the brain where there's a line in the middle of the page that are affected. You've got the occipital, partial, temporal, and the frontal lobes. They all affect or control a different part of the brain. Your sight, your hearing, your movement, and your speech. He had a malformation in that frontal lobe of the brain, which is why he's nine, but he still doesn't talk. But look at what the text says. I will say of the Lord. Joshua's going to say it someday. Why? Because he's got two parents that are believing that and declaring that over him that are refusing to accept that this is the circumstance we're going to live by and not what God has called us. And some of you in here this morning, you need to accept the exact same. You you might be in the fire and there might be things being burned up right where you're at. I'm telling you that God came to flatline something. There are moments where it happens just like this. I want you to turn that last one on because this is what happens to us spiritually. People may not see it or may not know exactly what's going on in your life at times. To me, this is one of the scariest flatline readings you you could look at. That's a heart attack. For many of us, when we're walking through those circumstances in our life, there's a point where it gets so hot in that situation. It gets so heated. That's what's happening inside of us spiritually at times. You can turn it off. That's what happens when we're looking at the circumstance. And I really feel like God told me that we're ending this year with that it's done he's flatlining it have you made your case do you you know what the case is if you haven't done that yet I want you to write it down you're believing God for something you're hoping for something you're trusting him for something in the face of a circumstance that doesn't look like what you believe but you're insisting that you're going to believe it anyway and like Daniel you'll look at that circumstance but even if he doesn't I'm not bowing to this thing. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning as I close this text out with these verses where it says, And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. They didn't try to fight. They didn't try to escape. They didn't take matters into their own hands. It says that then King Nebuchadnezzar And I want to speak this over your circumstance wherever you're at. King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and he rose in haste and he spoke saying to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said to the king, it's true, O king. But look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they're not hurt and the form of the fourth is like the son of God. The moment the fire gets too hot our first prayer that we pray is something like God deliver me out of the fire. There are two things that I believe we came here to see God do. The first is Placing our faith in Him in such a way that trusts Him even when the circumstance is scary. To know that He is able to deliver you out of that situation. The second thing is to know the freedom still that comes with being in Christ even if you remain in the fire. You're still loosed. You're still set free. As I was putting this message together, and I thought about everything that God has done in me and my wife. Come here, baby. I want you to come up here, and we're going to pray with everyone in a second. I told her that I couldn't help but think about the faithfulness of God and really understand what his faithfulness means faithfulness from God to us doesn't mean that he answers everything that we ask of him the way that we ask it from him that's not what faithfulness means that's why the word of God says that he can take everything that was meant as an evil for us and make it for our good it's, it's why we're told that he can make all things work together for our good. Even the fire. I want you to hold that index card in your hand. I want you to stand to your feet right where you're at if you're able to. I want you to close your eyes in a moment of reflection to the Lord. want to share with you what rose out of my heart as we begin to pray this morning. It's an old hymn.
0: Great is thy faithfulness O God my Father
1: thing I feel is going to be different for many of you going into 2016 is, is your knowledge of God. I'm not talking about what you know about God, what you've heard about God, what you learned growing up or at school or from what you've seen on TV. I'm talking about knowing Him. The sad situation in this text is is the fact that Nebuchadnezzar when he saw the fourth man in the fire he saw them singing praises to God free all he could do was talk about what he knew of God by what he declared when he spoke saying blessed be the God of Shadrach Meshach in Abednego. I believe that there are people in here that are not going to be able to that that are not going to say what you've said. I want to know God the way He knows God. God. I'm worshiping God the way that you know God. You're going to know God the way that He wants you to know Him. The way that these three young men knew Him. It was their knowledge of who He was to them that gave them strength in the fire. God is going to give you strength to say yes to Him, not just during those moments in life when when fire presents itself. You need to understand something about this message that's so important. They said yes to God in all of the small things before they ever had a chance to say yes to God to the big thing. We want to have faith for big things When we're not faithful in little things. And God is calling you to a higher place in Him. In all of the small things that you think you don't have an audience of. That that there's not a witness to to get to see you say yes to all these small things. So you don't have to be faithful there. God is saying that's enough. In 2016, you're going to say yes to me. Not just in the big things, but in the small things. Because he doesn't build a platform for anybody that's big without it being made up of small pieces first. What's that case? You're leaving it. You're leaving something behind. We're walking into something new. He's making all things, all things new. From the inside out. The assault, the assignment, the attack. You can disconnect the monitor right now. I know where I'm at. It's done. He's finished it for me. I trust Him and I worship Him. Would you just lift your hands to the Lord this morning so that I could pray a prayer of blessing over you? Father, we thank you for an amazing time together in your presence this morning. We thank you for 2015, God. but Father, we're excited about 2016. Let faith rise on the inside of us to know you more than what we've known about you, to know you. As much as I love theology, God, I want to know you more than what I know about you. God, I ask you in Jesus' name, going into this year, make your face shine on every single last one of us bless us as we go out God bless our pastors and his family give them traveling mercies as they come back in to celebrate the closing of this year together be gracious unto all of us give us your peace God and may we always know that we're called by you before we're ever called anything by a circumstance This is how God takes your testimony and uses it to overcome the enemy. It was your testing before it was your testimony. That's just the way it goes. It was your testing before it was ever your testimony. That's why we don't testify while we're being tested. We hold on, we pray, we get on our knees, we trust God, we hold together, we pull, we pull close. But you better believe it. Whatever comes doesn't come to stay. It comes to pass. In whatever case the enemy tries to bring against us, in those moments where he tries to convince us that it came to stay, God uses it as a case against the enemy. Isn't that powerful the way that works? The case that he brought against you in 2015 is a case he was making against himself in 2016. And he didn't even know it. And he didn't even know it. You didn't even know it. I didn't know it. But it still stands to be true that God takes that thing. It's why it's so important while you're in that spot, the word of God says they fell to their knees. They didn't run. They didn't run some other direction. They didn't try and make some other thing happen. I'm in this spot. I'm going to remain faithful to who God has made me. Come here, sweetheart going to remain faithful to who God has made me and that is the very thing God uses on the other side of it, it breaks my heart when people believe the case that the enemy brings against them and it never becomes their testimony so it, it's how it's how we take the case and we use it, right buddy? look at them. He's not impressed with anybody in here. I just want you to know that. <laughs> That's how he kisses. He doesn't know how to kiss, so he just sticks his tongue out. So if you ever pick this kid up, don't get close to him because you're going to be wet. He's not trying to French kiss you. That's just how he kisses. We take that case, and God uses it. And And, and sometimes... many are the afflictions of the righteous but he delivers us out of them all but I know what circumstance I'm in but I don't call them that I follow my father's example and I call the things that be not as though they are you're Jeshua this is who God has made you and I prophesy that over you and I declare healing over him every morning still isn't that right And if this kid ever gets upset, you know what calms him down? Worship. That's why if you ever see him walking around here with a little bitty radio, it's got worship playing. Worship and sometimes country. I don't take any credit for that. He's just a little strange. Worship mostly though. But I want you, how many of you are ready for God to take that case so that he can put it back in your hands so that you can now use it for His glory. I want y'all to leave these here, but I want you to keep it in your hand and get ready to use it in a way that you didn't think you were going to in this year coming. I love you guys. Healing Place, you guys are our family. We love y'all. Pastor Warren, Pastor Faith, the Beamer Girls, they love you guys. They say to say, hey, do y'all wish they could be here with you? They'll be with us though on 31st, New Year's Eve. The details are on Facebook. If y'all didn't know who this pretty girl is, y'all better. If you're a visitor, this is my sister. So if you ever see me hugging her, don't be like, who's that pastor hugging her? That's my sister. That's my sister. Don't be judging me. Details are on Facebook. We're going to have a blast. Everything starts at 9 o'clock. We're going to have food. We're going to have hay rides, hot chocolate, different things like that. We're going to close the year out with worship and prayer, and we're going to do that as a family. I respect if if many of you already have plans with your family. If you don't, that's who we're anticipating to celebrate the new year with. So we love you guys. Blessings to you. Y'all be safe, and we'll see you next year. For more information about Healing Place Church San Antonio, please visit www.healingplacesa.org. And for more information about Inspiration for Life, International Internet Radio Network, please visit www.inspiration4life.org.
0: Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office.